You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. From the author of the book by the same name, it's The Best Saturdays of Our Lives Podcast with Mark McCray. Welcome to part 57 of our live action to animation series uh, here on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. I'm Dan Klink with us, Mark McRae. Mark, hey, you think, you think this will be the episode we finally finish <laughs> this this, uh, this this subject on? I- I'm really hoping, and if it's not, we really should conclude it with this episode because I never thought that uh, it would go, the episode parts, 1, 3, 9, 59 would go this far. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, you know, what's fascinating is there are no real live action to animation properties out there today. And there haven't been, from what I can recall, since the at least the late 90s. You know, I guess it was a trend that started early on. I mean, as early as the 1930s, really, you know, when they put um, W.C. Fields in a, in a cartoon. Right. And through the 1990s. And so I think that the trend had a pretty good run. And speaking of trends, we're going to dive right in with uh, ALF, the animated series, and ALF Tales. <laughs> yeah, so I remember both of these shows, uh, these both, both of these series coming out. Um, I have to admit that uh, by the time the ALF animated series hit the airwaves, I was probably not watching as much television because, you know, I had a a nine to five job at that point and was, you know, my wife and I were raising a family. And so there just wasn't a lot of television time. But I loved the original live action series. I thought it was hilarious. You know, I, uh, on the other hand, was uh, still playing with Transformers and, you know, maybe eating the odd booger or two. Watching Saturday morning cartoons, I was right there for Alf at Alf Tales. I remember the uh, the theme song. The it was uh, Gordon send us into outer space because there ain't no one like you in the Melmachian race. Something something gonna make us itch. You're the only one that can scratch our itch. Gordon Gordon <laughs> put us in stitches. There ain't no one like you in this place. Hey Gordon, and it took place on his home planet prior to the nuclear war. That ended his species, more or less. Because wow. you remember, you remember in the live action show, he lands on Earth because his world was devastated by nuclear war. Wow! It, it, it's it's heavily referenced in the episode where he's prank calling Ronald Reagan. All episode, and uh, the Secret Service shows up to the house. <laughs> it starts poking around, like the president's getting direct mm. phone calls from this number. <laughs> For real, wow. go, go check that episode wow. out, people. So, so we know in the animated series, which takes place on his home planet, it's prior to nuclear war. And guess what? He's in the military, or he's he's like a part of the Melmachian National Guard. Wow. One of the antagonists is this uh, curmudgeonly old general. It's like a lot of us center around like military hygiene. It's almost like Gomer Pyle, but you know this doomed snout-nosed alien race who eats cats, and that's funny. yeah i mean first of all i'm really surprised that they kept the whole nuclear war situation in the animated series mainly because it's like like they didn't talk about it so much well yeah but but it was there but no you're in a a way you're right because the angle they took was 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 uh was by way of the military 
All right. So I have to ask the question. So what's the difference between the two series, you know, between Alf Tales and Alf the Animated Series? Oh, Alf Tales is just Alf and his buddies reenacting fairy tales. It's whatever. It's, you know, oh, like okay. Robin oh, that's Hood. cool. I mean, there's really there's nothing else to say on that subject mm-hmm. uh, other than that's that's what that was. You know, there was a, a Mr. Magoo series that was like that. Um, it ran in 1964, and Mr. Magoo would break the fourth wall, and every week he would play a different character. Um, right. Robin Hood seemed to be a popular choice for, I guess, both these series. Um, Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So Alf Tales was when they broke the fourth wall. And they played different characters every week. His, you know, characters that everyone knows. Exactly. And yeah. the other series, Alf the Animated Series, took place on Alf's home world. And he took place the, on Melmac. Right. Yeah. And, and he's in the military. Story. And he's in the military. Right. He's there with his girlfriend and his buddy. And, you know, yeah, straight original series. Wow. Very yeah. interesting. The softest show. <laughs> came out during the second season and you know maybe the first show did okay in the ratings and who knows someone at NBC probably said you know what we want to renew you guys but let's change the concept so the crazy thing is this is actually two different series that ran concurrently wow so in 88 you would have you know the animated series and alf tales uh but yeah mark i i think you're totally on to something i think uh, going into the animated series second season, they're like, "Yeah, hey, can we follow this up with something uh, maybe a little a little lighter?" Right. Again, mm-hmm. you always knew that everyone was doomed. At every episode, there's there's this perverse nihilism in my child self that would almost hope like, "Is this the episode where they go to DefCon One and start <laughs> launching the missiles?" <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, and always I- being disappointed when they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that such a silly show like Alf had such a a serious backstory, and right. then the backstory gets explored in an animated series. You yeah, know, in a way, yeah. very unique for a, a sitcom to kind of go that route. Well, you know, it was the '80s, and when it came to science fiction, there was that you know, apocalyptic trend. Right. So uh, I think out of all, like. Out of a lot of these shows, like there, we as we talked about in, in the hundred other episodes we've done on the same topic, I feel like Police Academy was probably one of the better properties that was poised to become a Saturday a morning Academy. show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or a kids show or an animated series, mainly right. because the live action series was very cartoonish and slapsticky as yeah. well. You know, the characters were silly. I mean the the guy that did all the sound effects and and all that stuff. Police Academy as a movie franchise would end up condensing itself into a PG product. I think once we get to Police Academy Four, uh, <laughs> Citizens on Patrol, right? I think. Right. If it was PG thirteen, light PG thirteen. But right. you go back to that first Police Academy film. That's a rated R movie. <laughs> Full nudity, cussing, everything. Oh, Police my Academy God. Two was Police Academy Two was a hard PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Bobcat Goldthwait, all that. Right. Uh, now here's a trend of rated R, otherwise mature properties becoming cartoons. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll start off on the on the on the sh- in the shallow end. You know, Karate Kid. Okay, I could see. 
I mean, at least the name lending itself to Saturday morning animation. The TV show was cuckoo bonkers, man. It had nothing to do with anything. It was Miyagi and Danielson traveling the world fighting this like terrorist organization that's trying to assemble an ancient Chinese weapon. You know, they had to make it a little more exciting than the movie. I mean, if it a just... little more. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If, it, if 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 the Karate Kid would have just been. No, I dig it. I you dig know, it. Just him, yeah. him, him tooling around in the shed with Miyagi. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> you know, picking but, up, cleaning up the yard, washing cars. Yeah, no, I dig it. I dig it. And you know, then you have Chuck Norris and his karate commandos. Oh my and, gosh! Yeah, that's pretty and, funny. Right. Well, then you go straight up Rambo. Rambo was a cartoon series. Right. Rambo and, had a line of toys. Yeah, and Rambo was rated R too. Rambo was very Rambo two was right. I think Rambo three was rated R. <laughs> you know, they 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 stuck with that R with Rambo. But yet somehow, some way, someone thought, you know what, this would make a great kid show. The Reagan eighties, you know? man. The hey, Reagan eighties. Well, you know, I can see the argument for a Rambo cartoon or even a Chuck Norris karate commandos because you know, we also had earlier on another episode of uh, the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast, we talked about G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, so if I'm a television executive or I work at a studio, I'm thinking I could make a show that's similar to G.I. G.I. Joe and just put, you know, Rambo in it and call it a day. An established franchise. You don't even have to do a whole lot of world building, so mm-hmm. to speak, or character building, right. at least. And, you know, know. and Chuck Norris had a pretty clean reputation. You know, his movies were all about, you know, beating up the bad guy with 100 karate kicks. And I uh, I I still think some of them were rated R. Oh, okay, Yeah. okay. Like Delta Force, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't recall. But I mean, I'll I'll take your word for it. (laughs) I'll take my word for it, too. Uh I I mean, I've. Though but, I, I but, can't, but still, I can't to your point, you know, it was the Reagan 80s and it was all about patriotism and, right, exactly. uh, you know, about America being strong and taking out the bad guy. So why not emphasize that same message in a kid's show? Right. And I feel like yeah. the Rambo show was pretty successful. I think it ran for a while. I can't remember the track record for Karate Commandos, but um, that- I... Yeah. Not long, I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, same thing with The Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Karate Kid, I know, was not that successful. One of the shows that I think was a huge, huge success during this period was the uh, the animation adaptation of Beetlejuice. That was a cool show. It was, it was, it didn't, it wasn't the movie. Right. But, the, you know, of course it wouldn't be, as we just got into with Karate Kid. But it went, it's, it went, it went in a cool direction. Yeah, I I thought it went in a really cool direction also. And I feel like maybe, you know, Tim Burton, who was one of the executive producers who oversaw the entire project, which was cool. You know, I'm sure there were probably a lot of ideas that they wanted to do with Beetlejuice in the movies. But, you know, time did not allow them to bring a lot of those ideas to light. And now they had a platform, uh, an animated series, where they could bring all those cool ideas that they wanted to do in the movies with no worry about special effects because everything would be animated and they can go huge and they can go big. Yeah, as crazy as they want to. So, yeah, that was like one of my favorites. I used to watch this series day in and day out, and it was hilarious and funny, well-written and directed, just uh, a really awesome series. You know, at the same time, not... 
for young children. I agree. Uh, I agree. I don't. I don't. Yeah, it definitely was not a film for for young kids. I mean, it's about <laughs> death and people living in the underworld and right. you know all kind of crazy things going on but yet right. somehow they were able to craft a really good animated series that stood on its own that was separate from the movie and sometimes as we just mentioned with some of these other properties like Rambo and Karate Kid it's not as easy to do right no totally now so uh SCTV everybody that was like the other Saturday night live that wasn't live from back in the day, uh, you had uh, the Ed Grimley show, Martin Short, and Camp Candy. Yeah, yeah. John, so John Candy. Yeah, so John Candy. First, let me just talk about John Candy. Uh, I, I was a fan of John Candy in Uncle Buck, right. and all, and also um, you might have to correct me: planes, trains, and automobiles. I do not um, have to correct you. That uh, is the name of the movie. <laughs> John Candy is like the ultimate everyday man to me, the funny ultimate everyday man. And um, I wasn't surprised that he had an animated series because he's just like this big lovable dude that you want to see succeed. And you could definitely relate to him and some of the situations he's in. And uh, Camp Candy was, was a really, you know, cute show. And Ed Grimley. Was already a bizarre character. I don't oh, know how yeah. long that, that the cartoon show lasted. Uh, I think a lot of it might have kind of been over kids' heads. Right. I think. <laughs> I think it. I think it ran like maybe one season. Yeah. Right. I don't think that. While I agree that M- Ed Grimley probably made a great Saturday morning property, I, I I feel like Ed Grimley on paper made a lot of sense as a Saturday morning right, character because right. he's, he was sort of bizarre, you know? But yeah. I don't know if kids actually got Connected. it. Under, yeah, understood. You know, I loved the show. I, I watched it. At the same time, I was watching SCTV on Nick at Night. So, yeah, Ed, Ed Grimley, you know, there's already context for it in my house, mm-hmm. but my house definitely wasn't most other people's houses. Yeah, I kind of feel that way, too, Um, on a separate note since... We were this African-American family where my brother would blast uh, Led Zeppelin's uh, cashmere <laughs> song super loud and did not care. And we were probably the only family that was doing that, you know. Um, sure. But my brother liked all types of music. And he's like, I'm not going to be put in a box because of who I am, you know, right. or let someone put me in a box. But yeah, so I get the whole different family thing. Definitely. Right. Yeah, so you have this little SCTV uh, animation block going in the late yeah, 90s, right? you know, in the late 80s, I should say. Right. Well, moving on, let's go to the 1990s, which is the last hurrah for a lot of things. It's the last hurrah for Saturday morning in general and the last hurrah for this genre, live action to animation. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first up is James Bond Jr., uh, from 1991. That oh, was- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I have v- to admit, I watched this show day in and day out because I would watch it right before I went to work right. and probably getting, you know, um, my son Jomar ready for school or whatever. That's when the show came on. And it was a really good show. I really liked it. It was funny and well written and, uh, you know, captured the essence of of the James Bond movies. And so James Bond Jr. is actually not James Bond's son, but the real James Bond is his uncle. 
So he's named after his uncle. So he's the nephew of James Bond. Right. And uh, they also had a lot of cool toys as well. He had this tricked out car toy that can do a lot of things. And I had that toy for years. And there was also, you know, James Bond, I mean, James Bond Jr. action figures. And the only one that has survived that I still have in my collection is the villain Jaws. So they actually used um, at least one character from the actual James Bond movie, Jaws. And uh, I still have his action figure, and it's pretty cool. You pull a lever in the back of his neck, and his teeth go up and down, you know, ready to chop something off. Oh, wow. The Jaws in the cartoon doesn't look like anything uh, like the Jaws from the movies, but (laughs) you still get the point. James Bond Jr. was brought to you by the team of uh, Fred Wolf, who brought teenage uh, (laughs) mutant ninja turtles to the screen. And the producers were... Uh, I'm going to mess up these guys' names. Uh, Murakami, Wolf, and Swenson Productions. Yeah. so uh, Murakami, Wolf, and Swenson Productions. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they the same team also did a new version of uh, Speed Racer also, which uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say any more about that series. If you want to know more about the new Speed Racer series that was done by this production company. You should read my book. <laughs> yeah, right. Read my book. Yeah. There's a whole chapter dedicated to it. And uh, right. uh, oh my gosh. Anyway, if there are some classic cartoons that I feel that people should never touch, that's all I will say. Moving right along. Um, Moving right along. We have uh, now there is Extreme Ghostbusters in the later 90s, like what, 97, something like that. Right, uh, to- right. An attempt to kind of revitalize the series. You know, this one to me, tell me if I'm wrong, because it was only on my periphery when it was airing. I, I got the impression that it was less a, you know, introducing a new generation of Ghostbusters in lineage with the films and more of almost a continuation of the animated series from the 80s. Yeah, that's that's how I, fe- I I felt about it as well. First of all, it had a different look than the earlier series. The character design and the production design for this new Ghostbusters was completely revamped. And, yeah. you know, I sort of like when animation companies do that, when they make character changes to the design or or to the overall look of a show. And they made it a little, it, it, it felt a little more hardcore. It was more hardcore. I went back and watched a couple of YouTube videos on it. And yeah, the consequences were greater. It was more action-driven than comedy, though certainly there was comedy there. It was trying to recapture the marketability, the magic of Ghostbusters in the in the late 90s. I right. don't know how long it ran. Yeah, I'm not sure that it that it ran long, but um had we- toys. Had toys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, thanks to the the 1980s with He-Man and G.I. Joe and the toy shows, really. Everybody had toys after that era, you know, that right. that that whole merchandising machine. But we forgot to mention an earlier Ghostbusters show, uh, Slimer and the Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Uh, that was from 1989 and uh, was a little different from the earlier 1986 show, the uh, Ghostbusters series. It was, yeah, a, it was a wackier show that focused more on focused on Slimer. Slimer right. was the right. main character, right? And 
yeah. very stylized animation, mm-hmm. very cartoonish. But Ghostbusters, though, you know, it did have a pretty good run. I mean, if you think about it, it started out in 1986. Then they did a syndicated version in 1987. And then Slimer shows up with his own version in 1989 being animated by a different studio. So your point about it being stylized, you know, was being done by uh, Wang Animation. I'm sure they had something to do with that. And Mm -hmm. then finally, in the 1990s, you have Extreme Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you got to put Extreme or 2.0 behind something or it's just not what they're saying it is. (laughs) Yeah, right. Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang of the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We review cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great! Because we also talk about science, movies, TV shows, and whatever's going on in the news. It's what we do. We smoke cigars, and we know things. Find us on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network. You know, I remember the Christmas of of 89 do you remember uh, okay big lots it used to be pick and save out west that was the name of of the store and one christmas they had a glut just just an entire aisle of karate kid the animated series toys that had tanked so terribly in you know your toys r us's and your kbs that now you can get the figures for like 89 cents a piece what? We had this, dude. Yeah, we had a play set, and you know, and the figures were uh, six inch, five and a half, six inch scale. They were the the taller scale, and they had a play set, a massive play set uh, that probably stood about four feet, three and a half, four feet high, two and a half, three feet across. We picked up for pennies. My parents, uh, for a few years there, the trend would be, you know, we would save up our allowance around Thanksgiving and about a week or before Christmas, they would take us to the picket save where we can buy gifts for each other. Ah, that's and cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of us was like, hey, screw this gift giving. Why don't the three of us just spend our combined 30 bucks <laughs> on, on every single Karate Kid toy made? We had the entire line. The entire line of Karate Kid toys. Wow. I remember Christmas Eve, we played with them, and that was about it. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, it was done. That was done. Within <laughs> six months, that play set had been disassembled and scattered to the garage. Oh, wow. I don't remember those toys at all. I mean, yeah, well, um, that's... I do. I know this. Big Lots is still <laughs> around, and it's kind of interesting. It was called Pick and Save because... When Big Lots came to New York, it just came to New York as Big Lots. Like there wasn't right. a store that they took over. And so I, n- I never right. knew that there was an earlier uh, store name. Pick and save, yo. Yeah, head on down to the pick and save. And I swear their prices were better. Oh, that is so funny. Wow, I never yeah. knew that. I-, I bought my little brother the year before. They had the robot Voltron or, you know, the, the vehicle Voltron. Yeah. 
And you could buy the whole box set, right? Like all of them in, in one. But if you bought the individual sets, because, you know, like, like the Voltron Lions, you could buy the Lions individually or in one big box. Same with the vehicles, but you get like maybe two or three vehicles because there's like 14 of them. It's ridiculous. But you get extra, they throw in extras, like extra missiles, extra attachments, like weapons and stuff if you buy them individually. And yeah, I got him an entire vehicle Voltron for $12 buying all five like individual box sets. Pick and save is the best, dude. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it was. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I have a Karate Kid story to share as well. Um, at the oh, time. Yeah, yeah. So at the time that I was doing my newsletter, I was interviewing one of the executives of the Karate Kid series. I was interviewing Robbie London, and uh, his interview is in my book. And we would talk every now and then and send emails. And I said, I said to him, I was liking the show, the Karate Kid series. And I said, would it be possible for me to, you know, send a story or a script to you? And he was right. like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out and, you know, let you know what I think. And I sent it and I don't think I ever heard back. <laughs> oh wow yeah but um i just remember putting it together and i was uh, cleaning up the house the other day and i happened to come across it and i was like wow i completely forgot i did this you huh. know um but now that i'm talking about it i'm not sure if maybe he did send me some feedback i'm not exactly sure but i can't sure. find any evidence of it but i just wanted to also get some practice in writing an actual episode of something you know well, that's 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 worth the endeavor unto itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, he it, Karate Kid flopped, man. And it could have been like he had nowhere to take your talents. Yeah, yeah. And at the you time, know, I had no he, idea. He, he had to figure out what his next move was going to be. Oh, right, right. <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, just one of those things, the Karate Kid. Yep, there's an episode floating out there somewhere. <laughs> we got stories, man. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> the lost episode of the Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody, we're going to crowdfund this. All right? Once we reach $50,000, we will we will animate Mark's episode of the Karate Kid. <laughs> yep. The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder. Like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts like you would find any other podcast in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. Forms. Well, Dan, we finally got to the end of live action to animated properties episode for the best Saturdays of our lives. Whew, man, that was a <laughs> yeah, that was, that a, was a journey. 
Yeah, it sure was. Um, it was a pleasure, you know, being able to discuss the topic and, you know, do a deep dive into decisions about why a Brady Bunch show was turned into the Brady Kids or why there was even a Ramble cartoon. Uh, going from the 30s all the way through the 90s. Right, right. Yeah, everybody just couldn't, couldn't get enough of their, their favorite movie franchises, their favorite television shows, their, their favorite Hollywood stars. Right. You just had to had to figure out a way to angle them into Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah. So some were great, some were good, some were not so good, but uh it was just a very interesting some were dumpster t- fires. Let's just be <laughs> let's be honest about it. For sure. For sure. Definitely dumpster fires. Uh, but uh, we won't we won't mention any names. You have to listen to the, all the parts of the podcast and I think Dan and I Express which ones we liked and which ones we didn't and which ones we thought were successful. So check yeah. it out. Check out and the look best. For the clues. Every episode has three clues. Use your special Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast decoder ring right, uh, to decipher that, and we will send you a free T-shirt. <laughs> yep. A free T-shirt. Well, you know, just list your size, and I'll make sure to get it out for you. Yeah, cool, because I totally won't. If Thunder, Talk is any, if Thunder Talk is every indicator, any indicator, I start every contest and fail to follow through on every contest. So, yeah, send, send your shirt sizes to Mark, everybody. Uh, on behalf of him and myself, thank you for listening to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Tune in next time uh, where we when we talk about not hmm. this. Yeah, we'll talk about something else. Uh, we'll figure it out for you guys. Yeah. Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.